Hey guys, how are you? Welcome to your next stop. You know, I say this every single time, but I am really excited about this one because this is a different episode that we've had before. I love this story that I know a tiny, tiny bit about because you guys know I don't like to learn too much. So what I learned, I had to tell, um, I had to ask Nicole to stop because it is really cool. So welcome, Nicole Easterday of Farm Curious. How are you? I'm doing great today. How are you, Juliet? I'm good. I'm really good. Welcome to Your Next Stop. This is Juliet Hahn. I am a wife, mom, virtual coach, public speaker, and crazy obsessed dog lover. I am so honored to be able to take you into the life of someone that has followed a passion. Every week, I hope you are as inspired as I am. Welcome to Your Next Stop. Okay, so I can't wait to dive into the story. So I know, again, I always like to tell my listeners where I've met guests because people are always really curious. A lot of times it was Clubhouse for, for a really long time. I got so many guests from Clubhouse, a lot from LinkedIn, a lot from, you know, someone being on the podcast and then saying, oh, I have a friend or I know this, you know, this person. But this was my wonderful executive producer has been sending emails out to women owned companies, just kind of getting to know them a little bit. And so that's what it was. It was really just an email that we sent to you, correct? That's right. I love that. Yes, I know. It's it's very cool. It's, it's fun to see where we can meet people and find out and then, you know, connect and hear. And I remember hearing your story, like the tiny bit that you told me. And I was like, we need to have this on because it's very different than what I've had. And I shouldn't say very different because you fall into passion and turned it into a business. So it really is similar, but what you're doing just fascinates me. So can you please jump into your whole story? Yeah, of course. I mean, I kind of feel like I should start out from the beginning. I grew up in Kansas in the middle of nowhere. In fact, when I went to college, some of my friends joked that they changed the sign outside my town that said population 100 to population 99. Very small town. It was called Bison and the street signs were actually cut out by some nice resident in the shape of a bison. But I had been born in Kansas City, Missouri, and lived in the city, city, like in the city. If you went down my street today, you would lock your door very carefully. And so I, I had the taste of the city as a young girl. And then when I was eight, we moved to the country. And I remember being a kid and, you know, they call those states the flyover states, looking up at the sky and seeing airplanes go by and wishing I was on one of them, not caring where it was going, what I was going to do there. I just wanted to go somewhere. And I've been that way my entire life, as long as I can remember. I always wanted to know what the next stop was. I was one of those kids. I was very lucky. School was made for people like me. So I did well in school. Uh, there were two other uh, young women in my class that also did well. And so it was always this competition between the three of us to see who could be a valedictorian. And it was, again, a very small <laughs> classroom. There were 25 people in my classroom. So I think a very different experience from current friends. Yeah. And uh, after school, you know, I, I did well on testing and stuff. And I, I applied to NY and I applied to Pepperdine. And, you know, I was looking at the coast, like, where do I want to go? Well, a Kansas 
college gave me a full ride scholarship and my parents (laughs) didn't have a lot of money and they were kind of like New York City that sounds expensive which which it is which it is very expensive yep I ended up there eventually but I I went to college for free for I actually did five years because I could study abroad one year and it was paid for for five years wow that's amazing but I stayed in Kansas for that and then you can imagine like I studied abroad in the Netherlands and I traveled around Europe and I I really enjoyed my time there. And I ended up deciding after college, am I going to New York or California? It had to be one or the other. I had to go somewhere. And so I I ended up in New York. And like everyone who moves to New York, I became a paralegal at a law firm. (laughs) Every single person does that. Either that or or they're a waitress and actress, right? (laughs) So I, um, I did that. And I ended up my bosses loved me and they were so nurturing. They were, they really knew that I, I was considering law school. But then after seeing the way people worked at a New York law firm, we were doing distressed debt trade law, which is in, you know, in 2002 when I was there, it was really intense. I didn't want that kind of, kind of living. And I knew I could make good money doing something else. So my boss at the law firm started introducing me to his friends who did other things. And I ended up going to work for PC Magazine. Do you remember? I did. Well, so because I, I was in New York at the same time, and I actually did not do either of those things, but I was in advertising. And so I love that. So 2003 was actually right before, I mean, we were married and, and uh, we had our son, and you know, and so we were, it was right when we were getting married. So um, I love that we were kind of overlapping. Where, where did you live? I just have to ask you that. In, in the city? I lived in a couple... You know how New York is. I mean, you live somewhere until the the landlord finds out about your dog or whatever. Um, so I lived in Soho for a, for a hot minute. Um, I lived on 57th and 2nd for a minute. No, sorry, 49th and 2nd. I loved that apartment on 49th and 2nd. I was right by Bateau-Yves, which is like the little French wine bar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up living in the village for the longest period of time. So we, we might have... I was on Christopher and Bleecker. And then I was in the East Village. So, oh my God, how fun. It was, I mean, right? Isn't it one of those places I always say that it doesn't matter where you come from, but you really should experience living in New York because it really gives you, I mean, it, that, that song, you know, Empire State of Mind, Jay-Z, you know, that is, it's really true. I mean, it gives you some really good, it really gives you a good backbone and it, and it makes you figure out and grow up and learn things. So I love that. So we, we can now go, we, we can talk about New York City all day long, right? I love New York. My best friend's still there. So I, I still get to, well, haven't been back in two years, as you can imagine, but- yes. Yes. So, so you went into, you went into publishing. So you went into worked in the magazine. I was actually doing advertising too. And I, my boss at, well, one of the, one of the managers, the ad managers at PC magazine ended up moving to a place that did legal publishing. So they were publishing journals and magazines for lawyers. And he knew about me and he recruited me over. And I ended up, you know, working in the two things I had done historically. I'd worked at law firms. I worked at a law firm in college or yeah, in college too. So I ended up working at this place with lawyers. So I would, first I was, they hired me as an outside rep. So I was flying to law firms all over the country. The whole country was my territory and I was selling um, online advertising, which at the time wasn't brand new, but it was brand new for law firms. They're a very stodgy kind of group of people. And uh, I, 
I really loved it. I love lawyers. They're, they're so they're a particular type of person. Like they're very specific. They have to be for the work they do, but they're, they're smart. They're fun. They're edgy. You know, they're really interesting people to me. So I, I worked there. I really loved it. And I left for like six months because the job that I was in the online advertising didn't pay well with law firms at the time. Then Somebody recruited me back and I ended up doing print advertising, which I I ended up spending seven years at that company. I wow. transferred from New York to San Francisco at some point in the middle. I met my husband who worked for the company and I loved it. I loved it because working in sales... I've always loved sales. When I was a little kid, I I would sell little stationery and stuff to people. You know, I'd go knock on their door. I was terrified of people, but I really wanted to win things. Like I've always been that way. (laughs) So I knock on their door, I'd sell them some stationery and I'd win a light for my bike. You know, like that's that's the level I was at. Uh, Young Entrepreneurs of America, I think it was called. Right. Real thing. So I I really loved it. I, I ran my own territory. My bosses kind of stayed at arm's length as long as I was meeting goals and and exceeding every year, then everyone was happy. And so I just continued doing what I did and and really enjoyed it. Um, My method of sales is very relationship-based. So anyway, I made a lot of great friends and then everything started changing as the economy collapsed. Remember when that happened? Oh, I do. 2007 and eight. Yeah. 2007 to to nine. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, so everything went sour. And in the meantime, I had moved in with my boyfriend, who's now my husband. We moved to Berkeley. We got chickens. I was making jam and I was growing my first garden. And I read two books that changed everything. It was Omnivore's Dilemma, have you read it? You at least know my I have not. He's amazing. Yes. Um, yes. And Animal Vegetable Miracle, which is by Barbara King Solver. And they're, they're both very much about the food system, about how people grow their own food and, and what's involved in your food. And I just felt like I had a light shown on the world for me. And I got so passionate about it. Michael Pollan's so great at making people feel passionate about something that they didn't even know anything about. So I, I got really excited and I started looking. My job wasn't as fun anymore because the economy was garbage. And you don't want to be in sales, ad sales when the economy is bad. And my husband and I both were in, in uh, well, I had, we had, I, we had, we had already had kids, so I decided to stay home, but he was in advertising, except he was in television advertising, which was still okay at the time. I mean, now it's completely different, right? But so it was still okay then, but I remember just, um, you know, uh, us talking, like so many people were being let go and then we're like, okay, what's happening here? So I totally hear you. Yeah. It was, it's been chipped away at for so many years. I mean, ever since I would say the internet was the first thing and then it just, it, you know, it's, it's gone, it's gone different. It's just totally different now. It's just totally different. Yeah. So anyway, I, I, I remember like puttering around my backyard with my chickens and my garden and telling my husband how I just wasn't feeling happy at work anymore. And my woman boss who had been amazing and supportive and everything you want her to be was replaced by someone who was less that, um, (laughs) if you know what I'm saying (laughs) on all parts. And, uh, I remember telling him, like, I don't know what I want to do. And we weren't married yet. So he didn't even know that he would regret this. But he said, you should do what makes you happy. And (laughs) 
I thought, what makes me happy? I, I'm happy right here, like sitting with these stupid chickens, like fighting them away from my broccoli. I'm really happy right now. And he said, Matt, maybe there's something like that you could do. And next business trip I went on, I was in Portland uh, meeting some clients. I'm in like a business suit and I'm dragging a suitcase. You know how it is. And uh, I sit down in this little cafe and I pick up a free newspaper and I see a small like eighth page ad has a chicken on it. So it catches my eye and it says urban farm store. That's all I saw. And I didn't have time to go check it out, but I came home and I was like, I want an urban farm store. And my husband was like, okay, <laughs> whatever that is. And so at the time, you know, you had to, if you wanted to make cheese, you had to buy it online from a cheese company. And if you wanted to make beer, you had to find some like brew store. And if you wanted chickens, you had to call every pet store in the world until you found someone with chicks. Um, it, it was all separate. And I know like, William Sonoma eventually caught on and they started selling like chicken coops and little compost pails and stuff. But back then it wasn't like that. This was 12, 13 years ago. Right. Right. So I, I just started, I was working with, um, Anya Fernald at who started slow food nation in, in the U S she's amazing. And she invited me to do the merch at this festival called eat real fest. And it's all about like eating clean, eating good, eating well. And, um, so I set up a little booth and I used a tax return I had. I had like a $5,000 tax return and I bought all the stuff, little cheese making kits and stuff. And I started selling it that weekend. And that ended up being my inventory, my starting inventory. I sold a lot of cheese kits, a lot of like canning kits. And the thing with cheese kits, I don't know if you know much about cheese, but cheese making I, is mysterious. I love cheese, but I don't know much about it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like most people love it, but don't know really anything about how it's made or where it comes from. Right. So I, I started selling a lot of those kits and people would call me and say, I did this and this and this and my cheese didn't work out. And I'd be like, well, I mean, it's pretty simple. And so I started making mozzarella all the time. And mozzarella is not simple. It's actually really complicated. There's a lot of complex science that happens in it. And so I started teaching classes. And I was teaching cheese making classes. And then a friend of mine was like, you know, the College of Marin has a cheese making certificate course. And I was like, no, it was so much money. And I still had my main job, right? Like I still had my ad job. So right. I talked to my boss and I took like two days a week off, like four hours a day for several weeks. And I ended up taking this course and I learned the chemistry of cheese making and the biology. I learned the history. We made cheese in class. And I was just blown away. I took so many notes and I'm such a nerd. Like I'm like totally like writing down every little, <laughs> every little chemical change that's happening in milk. And I fell in love with every aspect of it. And girl, you know, I grew up on Velveeta in Kansas, right? Like craft singles. <laughs> um, so I, I just started learning about cheese. And so the, thing amazing. That, the thing I fell in love with isn't what most people love. Like it wasn't the eating. It was the science that got me, the history that got me. And so I started incorporating that into my classes. My classes got bigger as the economy got. So I eventually left my job right after my son was born, my first, my first baby. Okay. And I'm going to, can I pause you? So a couple different things that you said that I love. The first, 
I could picture you. And this is why I love podcasting. Um, I love stories. And you're painting such a beautiful picture because I could see you in that business suit. I could see you all of a sudden being like, oh my gosh. And one thing that comes up all the time in my podcasts are whether you believe in God or the universe. If you stop and listen and pause, right, you're going to hear what you're meant to be doing. And so many people don't do that, right? They don't stop to listen. They just keep going. And and as you said, they might not be happy. You might not be happy, but they're like, oh, this is life. They might not be unhappy. They're just not really like, they're just kind of like, eh, I guess this is what it's supposed to be like. But when you find, and, and everyone that's listening to this, you can hear the passion in Nicole's voice, right? And that's what I think is so beautiful about it. And that's what, when I first met you and we talked for that, like that five minutes, I was like, you could hear how excited you are. So painting the picture, you're sitting in that cafe, you see that ad, the chicken, and you're like, oh my God, that's what I want to do. And then doors kept opening because the universe God was like, this is what you're meant to do. And then the second point that I want to make that I also love how you just painted is that you love to learn. So it wasn't about the cheese. It was the learning of how to make the cheese. And it brought you back to the beginning of the story, right? Your story, how you loved school. You're so you're an incredible listener, because that's exactly right. It's what I learned about myself was that I love learning. And I love sharing that information. I never, ever thought I would be a teacher. Like that's, that was not on the radar for me. But when I realized that I could learn about something that excited me and then that that excited other people. I, and my, my sojourn through sales was the same thing. It was learning about something and finding a way to excite people about it. And that's me. And so I just had to find a way to put the me into something that was a career. Right. And, and you know what you said, and you also said about the sales part that what you loved about it was the relationships. That's why I went into sales and advertising sales is because the relationship. So I'll tell you like a really quick little thing. And my listeners all know this, but I'm dyslexic. So I, school was really hard for me. So I always, it's always fascinating to me when people love school. Like my daughter, school's like really easy for her. And it just, I'm always like, oh my God, it's so amazing because school was so hard for me. But but I was a really good athlete. So I had my strength. So I was like a happy kid. I was like, okay, well, I suck at this, but I'm really, really good at this. I was very, you know, this is, I have to work harder here. But so I never saw myself as creative because someone down the road, whether it was an art teacher, it wasn't my parents. I had very supportive parents, but someone told me I was not creative. So I went to college for sports. So I, I played two sports in school. Um, that's what got me through to, uh, you know, got me into college and that's what kept me in college. But somewhere in the line there, I injured my back, but, and I also, so I went into college and my, I was studying corporate fitness, fitness. Cause that's what I was good at. That's what I knew. And I was like, I can help people in corporations with fitness. I loved that. I was excited about it. I had to take anatomy and physiology. And for someone that's dyslexic, I was like, Oh, I, I can't even pronounce it. I can't even spell it. This is going to be a nightmare. So very quickly, I remember calling my mom and I was like, I, I'm in the wrong, I'm not going to be able to do this. And I'm not putting myself down. It's just going to, it's not worth it for me, right? The amount of work that I would have to put in because I would figure out a way if it was worth it for me, but it wasn't. And at the same time, I injured my back. And so, and it was just like a tweak, but I, I was like, wait a second. Okay. So I changed my major and I was like, what am I also good at? I'm really good at communications. 
I'm really good at talking. People don't realize how, how tough school is for me when they just talk to me. They have no idea. Even teachers, when I raise my hand, I, I talk, I engage. My English teachers were always like, oh my gosh, so fascinated with me. I would read the cliff notes and I could make up what the story was going to be because that's where my strengths were. But then, but then I would have to write a report and they would be like, you didn't try on this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I did. But this is where the disconnect was. This is where I learned different and it was tough. So when I went into communications, because that's, I was like, okay, that's another strength of mine. I went into communications, radio, television, and film, but I didn't go in for the creative side. Cause again, I told myself I wasn't creative. So, but I wrote a screenplay. I acted in it. I directed it. I was on the radio. I learned at the whole, you know, the whole board. I wrote actually a sitcom. I still have it, which is really crazy. I mean, so many things that I did really well, but again, told myself I was not creative because that's the story I told myself. And then in college, I sat in an advertising sales class and the professor, the first thing he said is, there's going to be about five of you in the whole major that are going to go into this side. Right. And he started talking about advertising sales. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. This is what I want. And it really wasn't about the making the money and the sales aspect. It was the relationship part of it. And that's why it's, it was so fun. I loved it. I loved talking to clients and calling people up and doing all that and, and having lunches and, you know, doing all those things, you know, so that's what I did. And then when I had children, I used to tell them stories. I literally would have all of the, and I, it's crazy because as my listeners know, I never wrote it down. I never wrote them down. I can't believe I never wrote them down. I didn't document them. But my kids would literally sit there and stare with these big eyes at me. Mommy, tell me more about this. And I would make these elaborate stories up. And it was always the, these three kids that you know lived in the woods with their two dogs um, or their one dog, I think was actually. And then there was all these adventures and there was a magic frog and there was this pond. And it was a little bit the, the one story that I always remember reading that always grabbed me in sixth grade was Tuck Everlasting. And I had a really hard time reading. So I, it just, I remembered that always sticking with me because I was able to get through that and I loved it. So that still, I remember parts of that. So I would tell my kids these stories and, and it was, but I still would tell myself I wasn't creative. Like when my kids got into school and they'd be like, mom, can you help me with this art project or help me with this craft? I'd be like, nope, mommy's not creative. And it, as I say to my listeners, it wasn't, there There are people that put themselves down and have self-confidence issues with it. It wasn't that I didn't, that I had self-confidence issues. I just gave myself a story. It wasn't holding me back. But when I, when I think about it, it probably was holding me back from some things until all of a sudden... I was walking my dogs and I, I had started my podcast already and I still was like, oh, I'm not creative. And then I stopped and I was like, am I crazy? <laughs> I am so creative. It's just because I can't draw or paint because that's what I thought creativity was. And so it's just very interesting that the paths that we go on are really important. And so storytelling to me is my craft. It's my, it's my creativity. It's my, it's my outlet. It's how I show my, you know, show up for my creative self. And so it's really interesting now that I talk to my kids and I'm like, remember when mom always said that she wasn't creative? I was like, I am really creative. I'm just a different kind of creative. That's a great way to talk to them about growth mindset too, about where, how thinking something about yourself can stop you. But if you can find a way to overcome it and and have that growth mindset, which I feel sad that your teachers back Ugh. then, they didn't, they didn't know about these things. They didn't think about dyslexia as, as being, you know, a, a brain issue. You know, they, they, they could have overcome that for you had they the right tools. And I hate that 
we didn't talk about growth mindset when we were kids. We talked about, oh, I'm bad at math or I'm bad at, you know, reading or whatever. And I don't think they do it that anymore, at least not in our schools. Right. Yeah. I think ours are much better. But yeah, no, I mean, and, and, and my listeners know I have actually podcast on different scars that I got through school because of what teachers would tell me and things like that, but also how I overcame and how there was part of school. So then when I, when I started studying communications, I got, I was on the Dean's list and I, like it was, everyone was like, Oh my God. You, and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm good in school. Who, who knew? But it was because I was studying things that I liked and that I understood because my brain just works a little different. So that was a very long tangent, but it, it was important for me to share because if there's our people, new people listening, they can get a little insight in where storytelling is such a craft and you are also very, very good at that. And so that's why I, you painted that picture and I could literally picture you in all those steps of your life. So now I'm going to bring you back because this is the other thing I'm really good at. So you had your first son, you already were selling the cheese kits, you you know started teaching classes, you never saw yourself as a teacher. And then I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> yeah. So I, I started teaching these classes. They started out small. Um, my father-in-law, my, I got married, had my son. My father-in-law had this beautiful space in San Francisco with a nice view. And I would do classes there for five people or so. I also did classes at a place called Workshop in San Francisco that mostly was doing succulent plantings. And so every time I showed up, I'd have to like wipe away all the dirt and like totally <laughs> reset the space. And uh, as they got bigger. Um, you know, I, I just realized that I loved the cheese making portion and somewhere along the line, someone came to my class and said, Oh, I'm studying for the certified cheese professional exam. And I was like, wait, what? That's a thing. I had no idea. So I start looking into it and there's this organization called the American cheese society. And it's not a society for American cheese with the little slices, but a society that supports <laughs> American cheesemakers and artisan cheesemakers. So I started looking into it and there was this exam you could take and it's a certified cheese professional. And it, <laughs> most people who take it work for Whole Foods or, or somewhere, you know, something similar, Murray's. And they have classes every week where they sit together, they learn about cheese, they have vendors come in. I didn't have anything because I'm a scrappy little small business, right? So I just started reading every book I could come up with. I started studying and I convinced a couple of people to let me join their like corporate podcast and stuff. And uh, I, I just come in and listen and learn. I took the exam. I did apparently very well because they invited me to write the next year's exam. <laughs> there's, a, there's a writing team. So I overstudied because I was self-funded and I didn't have an option to, um, to fail. You know, I, I think a lot of times if you're, if you're funded by work, you'd be embarrassed if you failed, but you're not out, you know, five grand or whatever. Right. Um, so the test, uh, I flew to uh, Richmond, Virginia, where the annual conference was. And I just decided, I mean, I love people. I, I just met every single person I could imagine. I talked to everybody. I, I took the exam. I, I didn't know at the time that I passed. And I just kept staying in touch with those people because I realized at, at this point, I had two, two kids. My daughter was three. My youngest was three. And I felt like I was just coming out of the fog. I mean, I know you know how it is when they're really little there's not a lot of you left to give at the end of the day. You, you can't, right. <laughs> um, 
you can, but it's hard to spend time on advancing yourself when you're, you're building children, you're, you're building these, these little, little people, you know, and, and I spent a lot of time and energy keeping my children happy and helping them to keep their day straight. And, you know, and I just didn't have time for myself. So I finally had this time and I'd been in business at this point for 10 years and didn't even know anyone else in the cheese industry. So I came out of nowhere and I was like, Hey, everybody, I'm Nicole. I competed in uh, something called Cheesemonger Invitational, which is hilarious. It's hilarious, but it's also amazing. It's run by this incredible human, Adam Moskowitz. And he started it as a way to uh, connect cheesemongers. And so a cheesemonger is a person who sells cheese. And I kind of, I kind of wiggled a little bit on that because I don't really sell cheese. I educate on cheese. But at the time I was working at a cheese counter trying to study for my exam. And so I came in, I never, I didn't know anything about it. I came in seventh out of like 40 people and I didn't expect Wow! It, but it was because I was in the process of studying for the exam. So I did, I did really well on the test basically. But, but you also, I want to pause you again, but as you said in the beginning, which is going to bring this back, it's going to like t- do the little bow and the tie as you stated in the beginning, this is why I love this story and how you, how you tell it is that you, you love to win right? You love to do well. And so there was always the, the three girls in your class that it was like, who can be the valedictorian, which is a really good thing when you have that self-motivation. And it's not that you wanted to be better than them, even though you did, it was that you really wanted to succeed to be up there, right? So it wasn't like I'm better than you. You're not, it's, it's not a negative thing. It's actually a really positive self uh, motivation thing. So that's exactly where that little girl in you that was in that class, you know, that was the valedictorian and working with these other women. Now you had all or these other girls, you had this whole group of people, right? And it was like, okay, let's see where I can get ahead. I'm sure it was very intimidating at times because you were out of your comfort zone. And so that I mean, I feel like in your life, there was times you were out of your comfort zone. But just talking with you, I also feel like you enjoy being in your comfort zone. It's not always doesn't always feel great to be out of your comfort zone. So the fact that you were able to be like, okay, I want to do really well in this. I I really wanted to win. And the cool thing about the cheese world is it's very collaborative. There people aren't winners and losers. There's not competitors. People support each other and raise each other up. So this was actually, I competed there before I took the exam. And there were people there who had taken the exam and they were like, hey, you know, here are some things to read, some things to study. This industry even people who sell the same type of cheese in the same county, they communicate with each other, they share information. And I love that about this world. They're not there to tear each other down. They're, right. they're all there because they a rising tide lifts all boats. And, and people say that, but most people don't mean it. And in cheese, they really mean it. It's You don't go into cheese because you're like some cutthroat business person and you want to like make all the money and tear everybody else down. Like you go into cheese because you have some sort of passion, some sort of um, excitement. So I had, I had a friend, my best friend's husband was a couple of years into my business. It was taking off and I was doing well. And he said, Hey, I just want to tell you, like, you told me that you were going to start this urban homesteading business or whatever. And I'm surrounded by people in New York, my, my creative friends who talk about what they're going to do all the time. And you're the first person I've ever known who's done it. 
You oh, said you were going to do a thing and you did it. And he, he's a really, he's a New Yorker. He's a really tough guy to impress. He's, he's, I'm from Kansas where people are nice to you first and then they earn trust. But you know how New Yorkers are. They want to earn trust before they're going to be like out super warm with you. And so to have him say that was really meaningful. And at the time, he was kind of figuring out what he wanted to be when he grew up. And he has since started his own um, his own documentary and podcast studio. And he's turned that into his own business. And I don't want to say I have played a role in it because certainly he's never said, Nicole, I was in- inspired by you. But I feel like this is important maybe for people who are thinking about what their next stop is, like what they're excited about. And I think a lot of people think if you want to do something you love, you need $20,000 or $100,000 and you have to like buy all the stuff and rent a big space. And I didn't do any of that. I had a $5,000 tax return. I didn't leave my day job because I made good money and I was not about to walk away from that. I had a family. And so I just did little bits at a time on the weekends, I would open up and do a pop up at festivals. And I would my husband, I was lucky that my husband is a software engineer. So he built my website, we did it all very small. And then as I felt more confident, like this could be a thing. That's when I stepped away from my job. And that's when I put a little bit more money into making the website fancier. And that's when I, um, I, I didn't even get my own personal space because I used to just rent spaces for hours at a time that other people owned. I didn't even get my own lease until uh, two years ago. So, and I'm, I'm 12 and a half years into this business. So I want people to know that you don't have to just like, it's not like jumping off a cliff. It doesn't have to be that. It can be climbing a mountain or it can be, you know, it can be just a little yes. bit at a time. And I mean, I know that people are maybe are feeling more like that now with the with having side hustles and the gig economy. But I just want to encourage people like if you feel like something excites you, like if you wake up in the morning and the first thing you think about isn't your grudgy day job, maybe you can like just step away, just give yourself the weekends, give yourself the nights. And if it's exciting, it won't matter if you stayed up till 1am doing it because it excited you. And then you can find out if it has legs. You don't have to jump off the cliff. I love that. And that's so, so true. I mean, really everything that you just said there ties your story together. So as you said, you just got yourself a lease. Can you shout out to everyone so people can you know, look? Because I'm sure right now people are like, oh my gosh. And the other thing I want to say is I love that you went into cheese because cheese is something that makes people happy right for the most part i mean if you're lactose intolerant i'm sorry <laughs> well you know what i'm going to i'm going to put a public service announcement out there because you said the words if you're lactose intolerant any cheese in the world that's been aged a month or more has no lactose left in it not at all i don't know why the cheese industry is keeping this a secret from everybody but I know the science. <laughs> and so people are like, I don't know, sometimes cheese hurts my stomach, sometimes it doesn't. That's, that's because the lactose dissipates over time. So that doesn't mean you can age like a mozzarella because it'll rot within a month, right? So really your bad guys are like mozzarella, ricotta, fromage blanc, those softies, right? Burrata. But there's no cheddar in the world that has an ounce of lactose in it. And if you don't believe me, lactose is sugar. It's just like the scientific word for sugar. So you look on the back of the package, if you buy your cheese in a package, and it'll say sugar, zero grams. There's no lactose. 
Oh, look at that. That was like so much learning. That was like your story learning. And then that was a really good tidbit. Oh my gosh. Thank you for that. That's my public service announcement. So, um, but you did ask me a legitimate question, which was... Where to, where people can find you. Oh yeah. So um, my <laughs> business is called Farm Curious and um, I'm doing virtual classes too. So I know you have a national audience, uh, farmcurious.com. This weekend, we have a virtual brie making class. So I actually shipped people kits ahead of time. Um, and then we'll all get in, they'll buy milk and we'll, we'll get on zoom together and we'll just make cheese. We check in the next day and then we check in again in two weeks and people actually make like the cutest little brie camembert style cheese. It's really, really super amazing and such an easy way to start. I love um, that. And I also do live classes in Berkeley and in Castro Valley in the San Francisco Bay area. That is Fascinating. I, as I said, I mean, I said this to my listeners. I actually did some Instagram stuff on this. That your story is the same as you followed a passion and turned it into a business, right? But this, it, it, I literally, and I don't like to cook. Like I am not a cook, but this is like different, right? Making cheese is different. It's different. And so, um, I just, I absolutely love, I love your energy. I love that you did what you wanted. And to the friend that you said, you know, I don't know that your journey helped him, your journey definitely helped him. It maybe wasn't the last step that made him do it, but you inspired him. The fact that he said that to you is, is, is proof in the, you know, right there. Thanks, David. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for joining us again. Tell everyone in all your, is it Instagram? Like where are people, is it really your website that they should go to? Or is it Instagram? Like where would you, and this will be again, guys, you know, it's going to be in the show notes and stuff. So you'll be able to find it is farmcurious.com farm curious like curious george and uh, my instagram is farm curious my facebook is farm curious that's where you can find me everywhere so um check out the instagram because i'm doing a lot of charcuterie boards so i also do um team building for businesses and right now i'm sending out charcuterie board kits to people and i'll send them to you know all 20 people or 10 people 40 people in their group and then we log on and we build these insane Instagram charcuterie boards together. Um, so that's that's something fun that I'm doing a lot in the holidays. So check out the Instagram to see some of those pictures. It's really awesome. I love that. Well, Nicole, thank you so much again for joining your next stop. You guys, you know what to do. You like what you hear, you rate, review, subscribe, and definitely check out Nicole's stuff, especially during the holidays. But you know, right now with the manufacturing, you know, all the manufacturing stuff that's happening, you might be like, what do I get someone? guess what? This is a perfect thing to get your sister, your mom, your aunt, your neighbor, your friend. How cool would it be to be like, Hey, you get to do a live cheese class with Nicole. I mean, her energy is just right there. You know, energy is so important to me and we like connect on our energy so much. So definitely check it out. Farmcurious.com. And Nicole, thank you again so much for joining your next stop. I hope you liked this episode of Your Next Stop. Please subscribe to my channel, share with your friends, and join in each week. 